Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right. Hey, hey, sports fans. This is the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am your host, John Schofield. Joining me is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette and Baltimore Sun Newspapers. Also joining us is Chris Cervello, um, our producer, class of 99, the man who makes it happen here. Wags, I know that you, EK, and Keenan are going to break down what I thought was a great wrap-up story uh, from you about what happened against Cincinnati, about how we uh, comported ourselves very well um, at Nippert Stadium, where they have now won an alarming amount of games in a row at home, uh, and really put together a good performance, particularly defensively. And then, you know, testing out two quarterbacks out there. The result is still a loss, but give us a little preview about what you, Keenan, and EK are going to break down. Well, yeah, Navy for the second straight season played Cincinnati very tough. Uh, within a touchdown and, uh, well, 10 points. But last season was a 27-20. Frankly, the defense gave gave Navy a chance to win, and the offense was not able to put up enough points to steal the upset. And Cincinnati has now won 31 straight games at Nippert Stadium. That's second in the country as far as a home winning streak to Clemson, which I believe is at 38. Uh, Failure to finish in the red zone again, John. It's been the story all season. Can't punch it in for touchdowns had to settle for field goals, and uh, one of them was blocked. And so that's, uh, you know, no points. You held the ball, you had a nice drive, you got down there, and you come away with nothing. So disappointing, uh, but we'll talk about the quarterbacks. We'll have uh, Keenan break down what he saw out of Xavier in his first start this season, and we'll also talk about Masai Maynard, who came off the bench and threw some big balls that really, frankly, he – was the key to the one touchdown drive because he came in and completed a long pass. And then he's the one that scored the TD. So uh, we'll talk about what is the possibility of a little two, two quarterback system perhaps going forward. Uh, Cause you got one guy that throws a really nice ball and you've got another guy who, you know, is more of a running type quarterback. And obviously Xavier broke some long runs. So we'll break that down a little bit. Yeah. Wags, I agree with you. The red zone stuff is really troubling. The kicking game, obviously, you know, Ken Niamatololo said it very well that uh, Davies has done some great things for this team this year, but he would admit that the uh, that the game against Cincinnati was not his best day. Uh, before we get into some other really best days, Chris Cervello, what were your observations from the game? Pretty much the same as Wags. I mean, it's disappointing because I thought we were in that game. I thought we had a chance to uh, to maybe make it even closer than uh, than ten points, um, and we just you know couldn't get it done. I mean, not only did we have a field goal blocked, but we missed a field goal. Um, and we, you know, we, we made some, some dumb mistakes, uh, at critical times. Um, you know, it does remind me of when I was at the Naval Academy, when we had Chris McCoy and Ben Fay, um, you know, go back and forth at times. And so I'm, uh, interested in, you know, hearing more about whether or not they'll, uh, they'll look to do that against Notre Dame, uh, a Notre Dame team that, you know, stole one against Clemson. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about facing Notre Dame after that. Uh, you know, you, you, you might look at it like, holy cow, we're going to catch them on um, kind of a, an ideal time that they're, that they're sowing their wild oats. But also, I, I really, really was impressed. That was, that's a very good Clemson team. We'll have to see what happens as we go uh, as we go through the week. But ooh, this is uh, this is going to be a tough end of the season, a tough end of the season indeed. And begrudgingly, before we go out on football, I guess I do have to uh, make note that the Commander in Chiefs Trophy will go to Colorado Springs this year. Uh, but way to go, Air Force, for beating Army, winning the Commander in Chiefs Trophy. Um, it's fine if you're a third-rate service academy. All right, here we go, wrestling. Um, we just wrapped up the Clarion Open, and ladies and gentlemen, this is like hot off the presses. Everything just kind of wrapped up. Um, you remember the names from last year, Josh Cotterhand, uh, Jake Kozer. Uh, I've got another name to give you, and Wags, maybe you can opine on this a little bit too, but uh, the Clarion Open champion was Grady Grice at 285. He went 5-0 and today. He had three pins, wins the whole thing. Um, Cotterhand finished second at 141. Jake Kozer third at 197. Uh, so pretty good results there to, to uh, get the Clarion Open done and get in the books, particularly for the heavyweight there uh, in Grice. Wags, comments on that? Well, Cotterhand obviously had a great plebe year for Navy and really established himself that he's going to be a top wrestler for Navy. I only expect him to improve. I'll be honest with you, John, I'm not overly familiar with Grady and uh, we haven't been able to do the wrestling preview yet but he's a junior so he's been in the program uh just has not been the starter um so that's hopefully that is a good sign that navy has found itself a solid heavyweight it's good winning tournaments is big deal john yes sir it is um talking about ends of regular seasons water polo wrapped up their regular season with a win at johns hopkins tonight sunday they won 21 to 11 that was after splitting a pair of games on Saturday, unfortunately losing to Fordham, who, who seems to just be a thorn in the side of Navy water polo. Uh, Fordham beat Navy water polo 11 to five. However, we did defeat Bucknell eight to six. So good job uh, to them. Let's talk about some Patriot League soccer. Chris Cervello, I know that you watch this. I'd love to get your opinion on men's soccer defeating Lafayette 1-0 in the quarters uh, just a great win um, and, and a frenetic end where P Pierce Holbrook basically was standing on his head going full David De Gea from uh, Manchester United, keeping the ball out of the net and ensuring that men's soccer goes to the next round of the Patriot League tournament. What were your thoughts on what I thought was a very exciting game? So I'm very happy that they won. I will say I would love for them to win, you know, by two or three uh, so that my wife and I uh, don't, you know, get any more gray hair watching the last three or four minutes of uh, each of these Navy games. The, you know, the regular season finale against American and then last night's win uh, against Lafayette. Uh, boy, it was just crazy um, as, uh, you know, Lafayette did everything they could, including bring their keeper up uh, in the box for a set play uh, to, you know, to try to extend their season. So you're right. Frenetic uh, is a, is a good way to think of it, but we win and we're on uh, to the next game and that's fantastic. 
Yeah, next game being at BU on Tuesday, Election Day, 6 p.m., uh, a showdown against the Terriers at Nickerson Field. Great goal by Ayoama to, uh, to, to give us that winning margin. Wags, what were your thoughts? This is a really, really good result for Tim O.D. Oh, absolutely. Great to see Navy moving on. And uh, the victory guarantees Navy a winning record for the fourth straight season. And that's a feat that has not been accomplished since, can you believe it, 73 to 80. So Navy has not had put together four straight winning seasons since back in 1980. Uh, Chris Savello was just a young man back then. I don't even think he was at the Naval Academy. Um, one thing that concerns me, John, uh, Navy was without two starters, one of whom was Patriot League midfielder of the year, David Jackson, and the other freshman defender, Jalen Grant, who we spoke about last week. Um, and a, a quick turnaround for the next game. I'm worried you, you got to have Jackson if you're going to make a run in the tournament, don't you think, John? Just the goal scoring, but the experience, um, yeah, I think this is a bad time of year to be without someone that's that good um, and that much of a difference maker. I think you have a lot of athletes, but going up to BU, that's going to be a challenge, obviously. Uh, I think they're up to that challenge, but but yeah, it's almost been all year, right, that, that it just hasn't been the full complement. You just don't know what you got. And that's how you get, like, I think they have six draws this year. Um, it, it's, just a, it's just a very odd season um, that hopefully with two more wins, uh, starting with a, an upset against BU uh, during the week coming up here, that, that would be a nice way of, uh, of going on. Let's talk a little bit of Army-Navy rugby. Um, what a great result for the Ruggers to go out there beat the hell out of army. I do have to put it on myself. I just assumed that every time, you know, that we play army, that it's a star game. This particular matchup against army was not for the star that apparently does not take place uh, until year three of us being a D one or varsity program. So it was just beating army, um, which is nice. We won by a final score of 27, 14. The win was Navy's 10th straight puts them in a position to win the Rugby East North Division title next week, which is pretty awesome. Obviously, Gavin Hickey was very, uh, was very pleased. Lewis Gray, again, making the difference out there, along with Ryan Bullock, uh, Ronan Krieger. It's, it's just it's a great season for these guys. Wags are undefeated, and I don't see anyone out there who's going to bring them down. It's pretty darn impressive in the first varsity season, and, you know, Army's been beating Navy the last few years, and we had talked to Coach about that, and Coach Hickey said it's because they've been varsity a lot longer than us. They're ahead of us. So this, to me, is a very consequential result for Navy. This is a big deal. It shows that they're, they're catching up quicker than expected, and so perhaps the news that Navy was on the verge of going varsity really helped the program, maybe helped recruiting, but uh, that is a fantastic result. And our guy, Lewis Gray, man, I tell you what, He's had a, a tremendous season. Uh, he did another big game against uh, Army, but that, what a great result. Very, very pleased for rugby, and I agree with you. I don't, I don't see anyone beating them, and I think they're going to be the, the league champs. Yep, and I gave them a star, uh, at least on Twitter, and I know that that means a lot to them. Um, I mean, it would mean a lot to me. Uh, speaking of stars playing very well, Jordan Llewellyn, uh, she recorded 19 kills. She tallied a solo block on match point to give Navy a 25-23, 25-19, 26-24, 
sweep Ola over Lafayette uh, Saturday afternoon. What was great about that is no matter what they did against Bucknell today, uh, the, the win earned the mids the three seed in the Patriot League tournament. They will play host to the six seed when that tournament kicks off on November 15th. Uh, that six seed could be one of three teams right now, American, uh, Lehigh, or that very same Lafayette team that we just smoked uh, up in Easton. So great job by Paco Labrador. Let's get a couple of wins in this Patriot League tournament. And who knows, ladies and gentlemen, maybe a little matchup against Army to get some revenge for the two losses that we had earlier this season to them. And lastly, ladies and gentlemen, in the pool this weekend, uh, men's and women's swimming and diving went up to Lewisburg, PA. All they did is go ahead and sweep everybody. A bunch of W's on the list. Uh, they swept Lafayette, American, and Bucknell. Uh, great job by everyone in the water. Just kicking ass up there. Um, I think that this team is, is definitely going to make their mark this year and do very, very well. Uh, Wags, before we go out, from obviously a very, very good weekend, other than the football result, obviously. I was very pleased with soccer, and I'm pumped for volleyball right now. What are you keeping your eye on? And, and as we look to the week ahead, you know what, what's on your radar? Basketball, John. We're about to hit the crossover where you've got fall sports commingling with uh, winter sports, and maybe men's and women's basketball both open Monday. And oddly, they're both at William & Mary, uh, which is – a strange double header, I guess. Um, you know, I meant to look at the times of that, but uh, I guess they're, the, the women, women the women start at five p.m. and the men are at seven. So yeah, or at seven thirty rather. Yeah, yeah. So that's I mean, obviously we got basketball is underway and Veterans Classic will be all upon us in uh, no time. So uh, yeah, I mean, we're, it's going to be hectic here for a little bit, trying to wrap up the fall season with the Navy teams in the Patriot League tournament, and then. Also got to keep an eye on basketball. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we have a crazy week coming up. It starts off on Monday, as Wag said, with our little basketball doubleheader against William & Mary. And then we'll start bringing you these basketball wrap-ups with our friend Mike Heary, let you know how that's going. Keep an eye out for us on Thursday on social media. We'll be getting Instagram and Twitter videos with the teams coming in for the Veterans Classic as they tour the yard. They go into the ship simulator crawl around in a tank, maybe get into the helicopter, put the helmets on. But as Houston, Princeton, and St. Joe's, the Hawk will never die, come down for that. Look for us on Thursday to bring you those updates. And then obviously, we'll have the regular pod and the Navy football pod uh, to, to talk about what's going on with Notre Dame. That is obviously a big game on Saturday in Baltimore. And then Hey, let's not forget men's soccer again in the semi against BU on Tuesday. That's at 6 p.m. in Boston. Good luck to OD and the boys. And then, yeah, obviously Friday, it gets hot and heavy uh, with the co-mingling. And I love when Wags uses co-mingling of basketball and football. Hey, John and Chris, I have one other item for the weekend wrap. I am proud to report that the Sing Second Sports foursome in the Touchdown Club of Annapolis golf tournament shot a 13-under uh, Ward Carroll put the exclamation point on number five, which is the par four uphill, steep uphill. Ward hit had drive, smoked a drive to the middle of the fairway, right to the 150 marker. And then he stepped up and hit his approach shot one foot from the pin, tapped in for a birdie. And that was uh, 
that, that gave us 13 under when I left all the scores were not recorded, but that, uh, 58 was second place to, uh, 56 for a couple other groups. So I'm proud that the, uh, sing second sports foursome represented well in the tournament. John, when we're, we're talking about you, I kept exhorting your name and saying that Schofield expects a good score. None of you are coming back to play. Yeah, we're going to put that on friend of the pod, Pablo Beltran, for pulling out on you um, at the very last minute. That's on you, Pablo. Uh, Mike Keery as well. We had a superstar team together, but we were able to fill it with friend of the pod, Brian Bolter. Um, obviously, really happy for Ward Carroll. We'll see how much he talks about that on the, uh, on the uh, YouTube channel this week. Uh, Chris, any closing thoughts before we go out? No, just really looking forward to uh, the Boston uh, trip for the men's soccer team. And, uh, you know, it's never too early to start looking ahead to Notre Dame. So, like you guys said, exciting week. Should be a fun week. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of chances to go far in the postseason and put your mark on this. And good opportunity for Coach Tim Taylor and Coach Ed DeCellis to get their basketball teams off on a fresh start. Hey, that was the weekend wrap. We are going to go to break. When we come back, you're going to hear the sweet dulcet tones of Eric Catani, Keenan Reynolds, and Bill Wagner in the Navy Football Podcast. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, a few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Basketball season is just days away as Navy opens up their season this week down at William & Mary. Be sure to get your basketball season tickets. Both men's and women's basketball season tickets are on sale now. Join them at Alumni Hall all season long as the mids look to build on their exciting 2022 campaign. Call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com to get those season tickets. And while you're on NavySports.com, be sure to get your Veterans Classic tickets. Navy brings in three great teams this year. They bring in a top-ranked Houston team, they bring in the Princeton Tigers, and they bring in St. Joseph's, led by former Navy head coach Billy Lang. The action begins at 6 p.m. with Houston taking on St. Joe's and then is followed by Navy taking on Princeton at 8.30 p.m. So again, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com to get those tickets today. Now back to the pod. Welcome everyone to another episode of the one and only Navy football podcast brought to you by New Day USA. I'm Bill Wagner. Longtime Navy athletics beat writer for the Capital Gazette newspapers and Baltimore Sun. And I am joined by my two co-hosts, Eric Catani and Keenan Reynolds, two of the greatest players in the triple option era of Navy football and both played in the NFL. Gentlemen, this is the post-game report on the Cincinnati game. And for the second straight season, Navy played Cincinnati extremely tough. Cincy was an 18 and a half point favorite and Navy was in the game the whole way. Uh, defense, frankly, gave Navy a, an opportunity to win the game, and the offense just did not do enough, did not put up enough points to pull the upset. Cincinnati escapes with a 20-10 to 10 victory. They have now won 31 straight games at Nippert Stadium. That's the second longest home winning streak in the nation behind Clemson, which has won 38 in a row at home. Uh, let's talk about the defense, first of all. John Marshall played just a fantastic game. He was all over the place. Uh, he was batting down passes at, uh, you know, rushing the quarterback, getting sacks, tackles for loss, 
I mean, he is playing at a high level. He is playing at an all-American athletic conference level. Um, you know, there was a couple big plays, but not the devastating type. Um, you know, you hold Cincinnati to 20 points. I think, you know, that's pretty doggone good. Uh, Eric, thoughts on the Navy defense? Navy defense did do that, Bill. They, uh, they played up the challenge, only allowing 20 points. Um, I guess I was wrong in my um, statement saying Navy was going to win this game. I thought Navy had a ton of opportunities, both sides of the ball, to, uh, you know, capitalize and win this game. This is definitely not a, you know, a game that we thought, you know, people with 18 points to win, but I thought we had a definite chance playing well versus Cincinnati as, as we did last year with them. So defense, uh, only even 20 points to Cincinnati is, is a phenomenal feat. Um, Coach Newberry's doing a great job there. But again, like you said, offense is not scoring points and quarterbacks are not rushing over 100 yards and B&B backs are not contributing. So it's it's tough. It's, it's tough to talk about this uh, you know, week in, week out. Well, it's the same thing again with the offense, uh, driving the ball, getting into the red zone and not being able to finish. But just not being able to finish with touchdowns, which is it was Navy's calling card for so long that get in the red zone and Navy's going to punch it in and score a touchdown. And uh, that just hasn't been the case. It's been a season long problem. Uh, had to settle for a field goal, which was blocked. Uh, Daniel Davies with way too low of a kick, never barely even got above the line of scrimmage. Um, and uh, you know, it's just, they could easily have easily have had so many more points. Um, Keenan, I, I mean, what is your thought on this constant failure to be able to, to finish in the red zone? Yeah, before I get to the negative, I think I'll point out that I was pleasantly surprised at how uh, Xavier played. Um, very explosive in the run game, more explosive than we've seen uh, at the quarterback position. Up to this point, a little more, uh, I guess, traditional triple being run, if you will, uh, than we're used to seeing just by way of the skill sets being different. Um, and then I also liked the way that Masai threw the ball. I mean, I thought he came in off the bench and threw some strikes, uh, made some plays, gave, gave us a chance in a couple of spots. So I mean, it wasn't all bad. But I mean, to your point, like the the finishing drives has been like a an epidemic uh, for this offense the entire year. Like they have not been able to shake it. We, we've seen flashes of games where they've been very well, namely Tulsa, but like the 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 mean they've kind of regressed to the mean which has been like very spotty in the red zone and not finishing drives and there's no guarantee when you go out for a field goal especially at the college level that you're going to get the field goal so i mean a lot of things can happen as we saw this weekend i mean i think that that blocked field goal really killed momentum because you're now you're in a position where you're one score away if you make that field goal um and then not having it you're just a waste of a drive waste of that time and you're not getting a ton of possessions um, and then when you do get possessions, we're not a big play machine, right? So you the the possessions that are successful take time off the clock. And if you get behind too far, it makes it really hard for you to uh, to make plays. And I think we saw that um, on that last drive. I wasn't a huge fan of the sequence there just because I feel like we should have had more urgency during that drive. Like, But it, it kind of shows where like a weakness of our offense right now. We don't really have that big play, big strike ability right now. And so, like, they had to kind of stick with what we – with the offense. Well, they couldn't really get outside the offense. So, I think that, that those two things have been kind of apparent to me um, throughout the season for the offense. And they just continuously kind of rear their heads uh, when we get against these really good teams that 
where you have to play perfect. You have to finish in the red zone. You have to make big plays. You have to make your kicks on special teams. All those little things that you have to do to win ball games really become um, much more uh, magnified when you're playing against really good football teams. Well, to uh, Keenan's point regarding Xavier Arline, he ha- he did have a nice day running the ball, broke a couple long ones. He finished. He had 94 yards gained rushing, so he was up near 100. But then he he took a late sack, a seven yard loss in the sack, so he finished with 87 net yards. He averaged 7.3 per carry, and yes, he brought the perimeter element. Um, you know, had a couple. You know, and he also had the Malcolm Perry type run, drop back to pass and then scramble. And uh, he picked up that. That was a 32-yard gain. He had a option keeper. He took 27 yards. And uh, there was one option keeper that just it was we had not seen all season. He carried it out all the way until he made the defender commit one way or the other, and the defender went to the slot back and he cut it up and got a big gain. So a lot of positive there. Uh, Keenan, before I'm going to get to Eric to talk about Anton Hall played a good game at fullback, but real quickly. Your thoughts. I mean, you mentioned Masai Maynard, and he came on and uh, he threw, he completed three passes for 81 yards. A law, he had a 32 yard pass to freshman wide receiver Nathan Kent, which set up Navy's lone touchdown. Clearly, he is a very nice, has a nice passer that throws good ball on target. Um, he had another pass that was really nice and, you know, just perfectly placed. Uh, is there, what do you think of the possibility of some sort of two quarterback system? Because you have X who is a runner, but not much of a thrower and Masai who's a thrower, but is uh, you know, struggles running the option. Is, is that in play? I don't think it's going to work because um, it's very easy to key on like what the likely, what, what likely play is coming based on who's at quarterback. So if Masai comes in, you can pretty much guarantee that it's going to be some sort of drop back play, play action, um, and if X comes in, you know, it's likely to be more traditional triple. And even if you do sprinkle in a little variety between the two players, um, you're going to have your tendencies and you, and, and as a coach, you want to call games that kind of suit your players' strengths. So I don't necessarily think that that's going to work. Uh, I think Navy has to make a decision about what they want to be on offense going forward over the next few games, what's going to give them the best chance to win the game. I suspect it'll be, with X, I think you go with him as far as like running the option and he looked really, he looked good. I mean, he made some plays, he made good reads here and there. And I mean, he definitely gave you something to be, you know, excited about or have confidence in going forward. Gives you an opportunity. I mean, we, we were in that game. So, you know, I don't think you, you automatically go into this two QB system because there's a lot of other things that, that factor into that, like the rhythm on the offense, the way, the way the quarterback calls plays in the huddle, taking the snap, I mean, there's a lot of things. And as a quarterback, you you get into a rhythm with the plays that you run. You know, you get a big run and you, you're feeling good and you're getting more confidence as the game goes on. But if I pull you after four or five plays and you're on a roll, you know, or you, you're trying to get into the game, like they could kind of throw off your rhythm. So I think that's a really that's a really tight line to teeter. I, I'm not a huge fan of the two QB system. I think if you want to get them both on the field at the same time, that's fine. I mean, I think X is a threat at any position, I think you could probably play him in like a Malcolm type of role, but uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't go with switching the quarterbacks back and forth. So uh, Anton Hall got the bulk of reps at fullback, which was interesting to me because Daba Fafana had been the guy and uh, it was, I don't know what changed. I guess Anton had a better week of practice, but 
Anton carried the ball 16 times for 58 yards, averaged almost four yards a carry. Daba only got eight carries. Um, what did you see out of Anton Hawley? Ran hard, uh, got a couple, you know, some strong runs, and that was a tough defensive run. Uh, I'm no Chris Cervello, our producer, the guy – uh, Dante Corleone, uh, that guy was a monster, man. And I know Larry Amortese, the Navy center, was having a hard time with him. But for to get 58 yards up the middle, I thought Anton Hall ran well. Didn't you, Eric? Yeah, yeah. No, he played a he played a great game, and I was actually surprised to see the kind of the, the same you know workload that you saw. Right, he was 16 versus eight. Uh, you know, has been playing solid, running very well, and think about. Daba is he, he scores touchdowns. He makes those little plays here or there, and he, he's consistently scoring touchdowns, which we know we talked about earlier. We're not scoring the red zone. So if you have a running back, a B back, an A back that, that can score from 20 yards out and make that, you know, that play that he's gonna, you know, change the game. We need we need those players in and continue to work that way. Um, you know, we have a hard schedule. We're, we're, we're three and six, <laughs> three games left. Their name, uh, right 20, I believe, or 22. Or either vice versa, and then uh, what UCF were uh, ranked twenty-two, and then uh, you know, of course, Army and Army just lost Air Force, so we have a hard, hard schedule ahead of us. Well, I wanted to get back to the defense because the defense did play so well. But John Marshall finished with ten tackles, three of which were for loss. He had a sack. He had the quarterback hurry and had the pass breakup well, where he's in the quarterback space and got his hands up and blocked down the pass. Uh, Rayon Lane had another good game, eight tackles. Uh, Deshaun Peel got the uh, bulk of play at cornerback and played well again. This guy, you know, out of nowhere, the guy who's a converted wide receiver, sophomore corner, had not been playing at all, and all of a sudden he's playing and may, he's doing well. He had seven tackles, including a tackle for loss, and Colin Ramos, the inside linebacker, had seven tackles. So a great performance by the defense. Um, I mean, really controlled Cincinnati, which is a very potent team, a very balanced team, good quarterback in Ben Bryant. And, uh, you know, Navy, uh, 354 total yards is very respectable to hold uh, Cincinnati in check. And obviously, ultimately, the points is what matters, only 20 points. Um, so it's a shame. It was, uh, to me, it was a missed opportunity. I talked about trying to steal one amongst this three very difficult stretch of games, Notre Dame and Central Florida coming up. And this looked like it was a chance to steal one. Uh, guys, uh, Masai Maynard got a first down at the two-yard line. And Navy, it took four plays to score. He finally uh, scored for on a one-yard dive in which Daba Fafana kind of pushed him in. But I would have lost it if Navy hadn't scored a touchdown there when they had fourth and goal from the two-yard line. Uh, uh, first and goal, rather, from the two-yard line and needed four plays to score. Um, so, uh, last thoughts from uh, – well, let me bring in our producer, Chris Cervello, because he always has kind of a, a fan's viewpoint. What do you got for the guys, Chris? I, I guess I would just ask um, how, how you rebound. You, you know, we're going to talk about getting ready for Notre Dame, um, but, I mean, what is – you know, what, what does Monday and Tuesday look like coming off of this loss? Do you feel good about yourself? Do the missed opportunities carry over? Um, you know, what, what is Coach Ken and, and the, you know, the rest of the staff, what are they saying to the guys as they put Cincy in the rear view and get ready for Notre Dame? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. You know, being three and six right now and, you know, going to the, the stretch we have, you know, the coaches are probably saying, hey, 
if we do in these next three games, we're 500 in a, a very, very hard division. Um, and, you know, the winning army, of course, is always a huge deal. It's always a goal for every team that, uh, you know, plays is beat army, you know, win the CIC and bowl game and, you know, possible, uh, you know, a phenomenal bowl game. But, you know, Coach Ken and, you know, the staff, they have, uh, they have, they have a lot to do and they have a lot to, uh, you know, figure out um, these next three games. And more importantly, uh, recruiting is going on right now. Uh, it's a big time to recruit those high school kids to get the next class in here. So they're not just coaching, they're also recruiting as well. So it's a double-sided sword they're dealing with at all times. Yeah, I'd say I, I don't feel good at all. Um, you lost. So I, there's no moral victories. This is this is personally me speaking. Um, no zero moral victories. Don't feel good. Don't golf clap me. Um, not trying to hear none of that. Um, end of the day, we lost and we didn't play well enough to win. I mean, that's what it comes down to. That's the reality. Um, I think coach is probably telling them, like, if you thought that was hard, like <laughs> we got Notre Dame coming in and they're better than the team we just played. So that's the reality. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to correct the mistakes? Like really correct the mistakes. How are you going to finish drives? How are you going to cut down on the big plays? How are you going to take care of the football? These are the questions that are being asked and that they're scheming up and trying to figure out how they can do. So, I mean, it might be a little bit of a hard line stance, but I mean, I think Eric would agree, like as a player, you don't, I, I always hated like playing teams and then getting like the, oh, thank you for your service claps. Like after the games, if we didn't win, I just always felt like don't, like pity us or like those are the absolute worst. I'm like I I'm, hate a I'm a division one football player just like you. Yes, yeah. I chose no academy to serve my country, but don't give me that. I, I I'm the same way, Keenan. Yeah. So so like I I would say like that happened that happened often. Like especially if we played like big teams and didn't win. Like but I hated it. I'm like ain't nothing, you're no different than me. Like you put your pats on like I do. And so that's the mentality that these guys got to have when they're going against Notre Dame. Like who cares? They're ranked twenty or whatever. Like, who cares if it's Notre Dame? Like, we beat them before. We can beat them again. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to have that mentality of no fear. Don't care who you are. Don't matter who you line up against. We got to play well, and we can beat these dudes. Like, anybody is beatable, as we've seen time and time again in college football. So it's just a mentality aspect, um, and I just want to see them come out and fight and, and play that game to win. And if they do that, then, you know, who knows what happens. We'll see what happens at the end of the game. Well, it says Coach Diamatololo said after uh, the Cincinnati game, he said we're close, but we're just not there yet. And you know, it's getting late in the season. It's time to get there. Uh, hopefully they can steal one of these uh, next two big games against Notre Dame and UCF and be able to have a little confidence momentum going into Army. So that is the Navy postgame report wrapping up the Cincinnati loss. We'll be back later in the week, and we'll preview the Notre Dame game being held Saturday at M&T Bank Stadium, noon start, a national television broadcast. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play -play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segment.